welcome back to Enlighten Up. You are listening to episode 18, Carbon, Climate, and Cow Farts, a fun discernment exercise with Brian Cronenberg and Heather Sartain. We are excited to have Brian and Heather rejoin us on this podcast episode because we are having a friendly debate on man-made climate change and the missteps of misinformation. As you know, we talk a lot about discernment on this podcast and the importance of understanding what is true for you and what is not. Now more than ever, we have to take our global education into our own hands and discern information fed to us through proclaimed authority figures such as government and media. So we thought it'd be fun to showcase a conversation that dissects the information being sold to us as truth when it comes to man-made climate change. But the main objective to take away from this is, at the end of the day, keeping the doors of dialogue open between us all is what's important so that we may understand one another and potentially learn and grow together as a collective. We need to start talking to one another and keep the dialogue open. And that's what we like to do here on Enlighten Up. So without further ado, let's jump into the conversation with all five of us and see where it took us. Welcome back to Enlighten Up, everyone. You are here for episode 18 and you are joined by two guests. We have returning guests, Brian, Lisa's husband, and Heather Sartain. Heather, welcome back to the show. We're really happy to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, we love to have these conversations and we're excited to have your expertise on uh what we're going to be talking about today. And Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. Last we're... time I was on the show, I was not Lisa's husband. I know. <laughs> I know it's true. You weren't. <laughs> My how things change so quickly. I think yours relationship changes much faster than climate. But anyway. <laughs> not in Colorado. <laughs> oh, wait, that's weather. Yeah. Ooh, okay, so for everyone, today's show, we are doing a little something different, but... Uh, not completely. So we have talked a lot about discernment on the show and how important it is to understand information and know when you are, um, when something feels right and when something is not. And how do you discern information from being true and untrue? So we thought it would be a really fun topic since it's really big in the media right now to talk about the a uh, concept of man-made climate change. Does it actually exist? And we're going to have a little friendly debate amongst all five of us, and we're going to see where all of this goes. And for our audience, uh, just try to keep an open mind on what uh, we're discussing. This isn't done to change your mind or make you think in a certain way. In fact, we encourage you to use your own internal discernment and see uh, if we're presenting any information that is new to you or if something feels right or wrong. Just pay attention to all of that and see how this goes. So um, I'm also here with Lisa and Michael. Michael is here in Denver with us for the very first time, so we're excited to have him here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, you hear that <laughs> excitement that he always gives us every show. It's amazing. <laughs> And Lisa's having a fabulous day, aren't you? I am having a fantastic day. All right. So let's jump right into the topic, everyone. So we are going to be talking about climate change. Does it exist or does it not? And I think we can all agree that climate is changing. Yes. So it's not, it's not about 
is climate changing or not, but whether it's man-made, correct? That's Somewhat. Okay. So, okay, elaborate, Brian. Well, climate will always change just because of the nature of our planet and probably most planets. Climate is going to change. Historical averages show that climate changes happen. Um, we're just in, well, it's, we're, we're just in, we're in a time where, I mean, obviously we have the population at a, at a very high number, getting close to 7 billion people on the planet and everybody's making things. Um, probably the height of industrialization. And we're certainly having an effect but the earth is also doing its natural change and it's it's hard to pinpoint what's really causing it or what's causing the most yes. and how much yes we're having human beings are having an impact on the climate and on the earth but how do you take into account what the earth wants to do <laughs> yes okay so i think um, what the big topic is, is that, you know, how much of an impact do humans actually have on the climate? Is it as impactful as the media is telling us um, and political parties, or is it something else? And so, Heather, do you have any, um, do you have anything to say or thoughts on this so far? Like any openers? Uh, yeah, when I think about climate change, I like to think about millions of years of climate change. Yes. <laughs> going back um, through geological time and human history to see how much humans could impact climate change versus going back several hundred million years ago when we see tremendous climate change without... Um, human man-made substances. So if you go back in time, I'm just going to use the Carboniferous period as an example. And the reason I bring this up is because I've, I've taught historical geology. I've also taught meteorology. And so two of my favorite time periods for climate change example is a comparison of like 300 million years ago versus 90 million years ago. So about 300 million years ago, we had a 60 million year period of the Carboniferous period, which was the laying down of a lot of coal. And that's where most of our coal um, comes from. And that's the history of the time span when it was uh, put in the earth. So the development of all of that carbon occurring around 300 million years ago, there was tremendous more heat in the atmosphere. So it was a lot hotter than it is today. Um, certainly we are moving into a time of more humidity and heat, more tropical and higher worldwide temperatures that are similar to the Carboniferous period. Uh, we're looking at CO2 levels that are just on the brink of similarity. And then if we compare that with 90 million years ago, and we look at the crustaceous period, um, we see another period of time where we have levels of CO2 rise. 
But by comparison, the Carboniferous period gave us a lot more oxygen in the atmosphere. A couple things you have to consider over millions of millions of years in geological history is the movement of the planet as well. So 300 million years ago, a day was about 22 hours, where we have a 24-hour day now. Um, the Earth's axial rotation was faster and is still slowing down about 17 milliseconds every 100 years. <laughs> So that might not mean a lot. And so one of the things I always keep in mind is the human perspective. Mm -hmm. So a lot of catastrophic changes in the earth environment may not seem so prevalent during a generation or a lifetime, but they're prevalent over millions of years. What our media and news likes to talk about is thousands of years. So if we go back a few thousand years, yes, we are increasing CO2 levels yearly. And we can see that. And how much of it is the human factor? Um, there is a percentage, that's the human factor. And there's a lot of things to consider outside the human factor that is natural earth produ pro production of CO2 from um, volcanism and movement of plate tectonics. and you have to consider how much carbon comes from the oceans mm -hmm. and, and what the warmth of the oceans means for releasing gas. Yeah. And we've certainly had an extended El Nino period that I don't think I was expecting. Now, I can't say that expert meteorologists out there didn't have a handle on history and were not expecting it. I think perhaps they were. I did come across information where meteorologists did predict we would have more storms in the Atlantic this year. Um, hurricane season was on a rise from warmer ocean temperatures for an extended period. But El Nino and La Nina comparisons are just um, being above average Pacific Ocean temperature by a few degrees for at least a period of five months approximately five months, will give you El Nino. And then when that drops down to below average, and I'm going to call average approximately 83 degrees Fahrenheit of surface ocean temperature. Okay. So when we drop below that, then we're in La Nina. And so with the warm oceans driving large tropical storms and hurricanes, that is one of the primary factors that helps create them. And one of the other primary factors is wind speeds in the atmosphere being similar with differences in height. So if you look at masses of air and you have um, the speed of wind and the lower air mass being equal to um, higher air masses, those are also prime conditions for hurricane development, which usually start over off the coast of Africa. And then the monsoon season in Africa also is a contribution to hurricane season as well. Okay. So, so these are all scientific reasons yeah. for understanding storms, weather, and climate. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned earlier, um, sorry, Heather, you just, just so that we can help our audience um, start from the very beginning. I think it's important to first talk about carbon and carbon dioxide and, and kind of move into all of the different factors like the storms and 
um, the difference in weather patterns and things like that uh, that are affected because everything kind of starts with this idea of carbon dioxide and people calling it carbon, which it's not. It's carbon dioxide. So what I feel like one of the biggest forms of disinformation that we're being fed, and you can tell the children in school are being taught this, because even I was somewhat taught this in school, to think that carbon dioxide is a pollutant, and it's not. Michael, what are your thoughts on that? It's not. (laughs) (laughs) Carbon dioxide actually... uh... And correct me if I'm wrong, Heather, um, but I believe carbon dioxide is a very nece- necessary gas for life itself to really help vegetation, to really help the earth really be more green, if you will. Um, and if, if I read correctly, we're actually in a part of the history of our world where we have very low levels of carbon dioxide. Is that true, Heather, and from what you understood? If you compare millions of years with today, we are definitely on a low for carbon dioxide. And that's that's why I brought up the Carboniferous and the Crustaceous periods, because they had vast more amounts of CO2 in the atmosphere than we have today. But looking at today, we're on the brink of of a rise of CO2 that's similar to the beginnings of a Carboniferous or Crustaceous period. Well, we're still quite low. From what I understand, at the beginning of the industrial period, carbon um, dioxide levels were at about 260 parts per million. And the, I guess, where we're at right now is 400 parts per million. Yeah, 400 parts per million. And then the time periods that I was talking about in geological history, we'll compare that to about 1,000 Parts so, per million. Okay, so I've seen models that go all the way up to 3,000 um, parts per million. But from what I understand, from what science says, is that 2,000 parts per million is actually the optimum level of carbon dioxide for, planet, uh, for plants to thrive on this planet. Yeah, which, I, would, I would agree with that. Yeah, which is much higher than what they're forecasting we're going to be, at the, say, at the end of this century. Is that the reason why I remember when we were children learning about just, you know, the earth history, if you will, but like how back in like, let's say the dinosaur time when plants were like extra big and, and just like, like Jurassic more, Park yeah, more Jurassic, <laughs> more huge, like, you know, a random fern is the size of half a mountain. I don't know. But like, you know, like things were just so prosperous when it comes to vegetation back then. Is it mainly because of the carbon dioxide? Uh, actually, the the oxygen levels were also higher, and the respiratory systems of insects and plants need larger surface areas to deal with higher levels of oxygen. Oh, right. In go. fact, the Carboniferous period is referred to as the age of oxygen, and oxygen levels being about 18% of our atmosphere right now, think of in the 20s, like 23, 25%. Um, much larger life, life creatures, um, for respiratory to work, you have to have larger surface area and, uh, that made plants and insects much larger. Okay. Makes okay. Sense. Well, that makes a lot of sense. But, you know, from what I understand, the more carbon dioxide that's in the air, 
I mean, obviously within given reason, and we're well below like the the levels of that they're saying um, that plants actually thrive, and it's good for it's good for the plants, it's good for the wildlife, it's good for humans, it's good for economic growth. That carbon dioxide. Um, increased carbon dioxide is actually a good thing for our planet right now. In fact, at, okay, so at the beginning of the industrial age, we were at 260 parts per million. If we had actually decreased the same amount that we increased to where we are now, we would be below 150 parts per million, which they say is when plants start dying. So this whole idea of trying to reduce our carbon emissions, pretending like that's carbon dioxide's fault, is actually detrimental to the health of the planet, from what I can tell from looking at all the data. But it's pollutants that they're talking about. No, well. no. See, this is where everyone gets confused. Yeah. The carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. No, I, I realize that, but there are... No, there are. There are definitely pollution, pollutants. Mm -hmm. But I think that's where everyone gets misinformed, is that when you hear the word carbon, you think maybe soot, right? Like that dark stuff that comes out of power, like out of plants or like the diesel old fuel diesel fuels. Yeah, like you think of all of the um, negative pollutants, but that's not what carbon dioxide is. And when they say carbon emissions, that's what they're referring to is carbon dioxide. Who is they? The UN's IPCC. Because I lived in a very polluted country for yeah. five years. <laughs> And I had soot on my walls. Yeah. Just from leaving the window open, the wall would turn black. So. But that wasn't carbon dioxide. I'm not saying it is yeah. carbon dioxide, but we have a responsibility to watch everything we put in the air. Absolutely. So when we, when I talk about climate change, I'm talking about all of the things that we do as an industrialized society not nation but the entire planet that is making things and belching smoke into the air or what's coming out of the back of our tailpipes that affects us all as creatures on this planet a, and a lot of pollutants though aren't greenhouse gases though the greenhouse gases is kind of like uh, in its own category what you're talking about is like immediate pollutants like the soot and all that stuff which I'm not sure over the long run would affect dramatically the climate of the of the world. What, it, what it is the big? I, I would say it's definitely something looked for when it comes to breathing your air. I mean, we all want good, clean air for breathing for our own health, but for actually affecting the climate, I'm not sure if like the actual. What is the big debate? Because I don't. Big, I don't watch the news. The big so debate. The big, the big, the big is debate is are they okay? From what the media's perspective or media is trying to put out, in my opinion, the perspective is you, CO2 is on the rise and we're all going to fry one day and sea levels are going to go up. Not fry, but like, the you know, get hot and But hot it's our fault that the water is <clears> rising <throat> and right. the ice And, and the they're really, they're really giving a shit name to CO2. And, and, it's, and people focus on that, where Brian's bringing up something that actually that should have focus, but not more on a climate change, but more on like a personal health. But, like an environmental. But it's the same conversation. No, and, no, it's not. <laughs> that's where you see, that's where everything there, goes wrong. Right now, there's only one conversation. Yeah. And if we just say, let people do whatever they want. Yeah, that we like to we're, clump a lot of stuff together. And, 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 that, and that's a big part of the problem. Because if we just say, ah, oh, you know what? We were wrong about the CO2 thing. Go ahead and do whatever you want. 
then all of that particulate okay. matter is going to be yes. a big problem. I'm, and and I'm I'm just thinking we Michael and I we were all watching a football game the other day in California and oh, yeah. you were blown away by the amount of smoke that was coming into the stadium saying why are they letting these kids play? That was, that was a normal day of my life living in Beijing. Yeah. They didn't play football. In 125 parts per million. I, I, which I, okay, so which I'm going to tell you that the um, the majority of city smog, especially over in China, um, is not due to fossil fuels. It's actually due to agricultural burning. So um, there's just a lot of misinformation out there, and I think this is when Heather, wouldn't you agree that when we talk about climate change and we talk about man-made climate change and it being like carbon emissions, being CO2 as being the, um, the, the big culprit and all, and then people start talking about the environment and pollution, they're two completely different conversations, I think. No, I would agree. There are pollutants, especially ones that interfere with photochemical reactions that break down um, O3 or ozone. I think that's really critical to consider, especially since those um, CFCs or chlorofluorocarbons that are responsible and it has been proven that they do break down O3, do occur and accumulate over Antarctica because of the, the jet stream and the way air currents work as planetary air circulation moves them to colder regions. That's, that's natural. Yeah. Um, don't want that to continue. I think that we need to put more emphasis on than CO2. Uh, CO2 uh, can be on the rise naturally, and we see a cycle and climate change cycle throughout history of warming and cooling periods. Um, the biggest concern with the warming period is the melting of the ice caps and sea level rise. But this has happened over millions of years. It's happened several times. So, you know, our, our presence on this planet, as we enjoy our conveniences and where we live, we just may have to adjust because yeah. the world is going but, to but, adjust but, whether we do or not. But the reason I brought up the larger picture of pollution was we don't have any historical data for this. I, 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 I don't dispute the the difference between you know the media saying what co2 emissions are and we're all thinking this is bad and this is leading to to global warming what what i see on a especially living in a third world country is we have no idea what we're getting ready to do to our planet by continuing to put pollutants very heavy pollutants in there uh into the air by burning fossil fuels and 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 I would like to to maybe dispute politely dispute your claim <laughs> you don't have that to be it, polite that it was <laughs> that it was that it was agri that, that it was agricultural because it was it's not I don't know what that what that's the, what the science data the, says the, the sources agricultural burning and something else and fossil fuels is does play a role but it's a minor role compared to the amounts that the agricultural burning I, I think it's mostly the factory I, I will give you a I lived there and this is what happens when it's really bad the Chinese government shuts down the factories and turns off the power plants the next day the air is clean that's not agricultural burning that's fossil fuel so there are clean ways though that's, to burn fossil and I fuels agree, I actually agree with him too because I hear mostly it's factory it's not but it's not yes. the common like scooter and car driving by yeah, it's they, more they of they shut a, down the factories and the next day the sky is blue and 
it's, it's really fascinating to see a government be able to move actually that quickly. And, and I applaud China for a lot of what they are doing. As polluted as it is, I really do think they are trying to figure out something. You might be just talking about the whole picture as far as the majority of the world. I mean, he's taking no, a no, no, no. I, I agree, but the, major. Uh, no, I know, but there are clean ways to burn fossil fuels. Are there not? Like Heather, from what I understand, like there are power plants. I know there's one in um, Arkansas that's got the most high tech power plant, and when it burns fossil fuels like coal, it is like you can't even see any smoke coming yeah. out of the stacks. It's yeah. super clean. They burn yeah, the waste you can, as well. You yeah. can scrub the CO two before it makes its way into the atmosphere. And also remove the particulates. Yeah, there's there's even uh, ways of doing that with solvents, large solvent um, units. It's uh, amine units that can do that. Okay, so not to get too far off topic because we can go into the environment and pollutants and all that, but it's really not what they're saying is... I think the main goal or the main idea today was how we discern the information we actually do get from normally the media sources that people go to and it really makes people feel extra guilty driving their car an extra mile a day which is kind of ridiculous is that is you that know it of, is yeah but there are signs on the road that say we're in an orange alert you know group your yeah, share errands together today. share a drive so yeah that's the information we all see as americans especially but we see that we see don't don't drive today so then so, people think that driving is really the cause. Yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. And, and, and then if you're driving a Hummer, you might like go into a, a certain neighborhood in like Seattle, Washington, and have graffiti on your Hummer after you get out. <laughs> but that's of so the that's so typical of the media, though. Just you know the scare tactics and just to try to it's mm-hmm. you know it's marketing, just trying to get no, people's attention. No, I think it's more. I think I think the main reason, and to give a little history of where I come from. Uh, Heather, I'm not sure if you know this, but I'm, I actually was a meteorologist. Well, I'm not today, but was and studied it in, in college. And I remember thinking my climatologist teacher that when I studied that course, he was like all about what you're saying is like you cannot take a blink of, of the world history and extrapolate that blink into the next hundred years, thousand years, million years for that matter. And I feel like the media likes to take, oh, it, there was... Three hurricanes. There's three hurricanes this month, and now we're in a huge climate change. Well, because that's the scare tactics, though. But that's what the media does. That's what I I think. That's the goal of our. I think that's the goal of today's podcast. It's not just climate change, but like. So I want to. Can I just? Can I just? Since we're talking about the media, I just want to read something here because I have a. I have two quotes that I want to read to um, you, and it's from uh, Richard Linson. Which do you know who Richard Linson is, um, Heather? He's like a renowned scientist from MIT um, for the whole climate. Uh, and basically he said... I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, so he said that basically controlling carbon is a bureaucrat's dream. If you control carbon, you control life. So for all our power-hungry, whatever, politicians, corporations... Anyone who's got... The mysterious yeah, group called the, they. Well, no. Any sort of elitist group, the 1% who own like the majority of the money of this planet, if they can control carbon, you can control... Sure, sure, sure. Excuse me. Sure. I, had a, I had a professor in college who said, 
they are in an office building in downtown Kansas City. It was always a joke. It's like, who is they? Oh, uh, they have an office on the 23rd well, it's a floor joke. in downtown <laughs> It is a joke City. on our podcast. Yeah. It's like, we, we always talk about the they, but we don't really have a specific who is they. Yeah. It's just they. <laughs> but he also said this, and I think this is great, because this talks about how the media sensationalizes um, carbon control and, and how demonizes basically carbon dioxide as the worst pollutant on the earth, which we all produce naturally. Um, and he said, what historians, what historians will definitely wonder about in future centuries is how deeply flawed logic obscured by shrewd and unrelenting propaganda actually enabled a coalition of powerful special interests to convince nearly everyone in the world that CO2 from human industry was a dangerous planet-destroying toxin. It will be remembered as the greatest mass delusion in the history of the world <laughs> that CO2, the life of plants, was considered for a time to be a deadly poison. <laughs> and I think, like, it's so Pretty true. Ridiculous. It's so we ridiculous. We bird- burping and farting, too. I know. breathing, for that matter. I know. Are we going to have to stop breathing? Are we going to have to put filters over our mouths? Like, yeah. it's ridiculous. But that's and, just so... I mean, we talk about this in almost every podcast about how the media likes to twist things and make it sound one way when it's not in the scare tactics hey, and control. Do you guys know what the largest greenhouse contributor is Water. in our atmosphere? Water. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Michael got it right. <laughs> I learned some back then. Water vapor, which you which you well, I believe, maybe not Lisa and Nicole, I believe you can't control water vapor in there. They got other ideas with their ideas. Well, actually, no, because, well, topic. well, yeah, no, we're going to talk about that because Heather knows quite a bit about it. Oh, like, bring it on, Heather. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Uh, M- Matt, did you say that you were in a climate class? Michael, uh, yes. I'm sorry, it's Michael. Okay. okay, so you can probably talk a little bit. One of the things I kind of wanted to talk about, because it's always piqued my interest, but I don't know a ton about it, is cloud seeding that they started doing in the 19, I believe the 1960s and 70s is when they started experimenting with silver iodide and like potassium iodide. And of all, I understand it has something to do with ice, Mm -hmm. being able to form ice nuclei in the clouds, but how how much do you think this has carried over into today's man-made weather changes well, see, with cloud seeding? We, Does that it, still it, go on? It's funny that you bring that up because, you know, with the hurricanes that we've had these past month or so, I've had a healthy debate with Nicole on, she believes it's a lot of cloud seeding, especially for the, uh, the one that went over Houston. And yeah, well, well, Heather was affected directly. You were stuck right in the heart of that Hurricane Harvey. And and I'm like, yeah, looking at fun. looking at looking at what what I was showing. I mean, I'm not going to sit there and today and say I'm an expert on what I'm looking at. But we talked a lot about this when I was in college too. But uh, it was more about a potential preventative manner to help with you know droughts, like big time droughts, trying to get trying to get it to rain. And we always, it made sense too back then because uh, where I grew up was Portland, Oregon. And a lot of times, it's kind of funny, a lot of times after the big fireworks, after 4th of July, it would actually start raining. But they would say it's like almost because these little pollutants attract water and, you know, get the clouds going. 
And so cloud seeding, I yeah, agree, exists. Yeah, that's true. Exists. You have to have dust or microbes or something yeah, to form I, I, an eye of every but, raindrop. But, our rain in Colorado is often very <laughs> dusty. When it hits your car, it leaves these huge little watermarks. And these, and, but they're very dusty looking. And it's it's because it's that's that's what it part, takes to rain. Right. You, it needs, well, uh, it, that's what it takes to rain because you need to be... The, the seed, the seed yeah. of all raindrops is something like a... a well, okay, let, let's just talk particle. about this for a second. We all know that there's a massive wildfire going on in California right now. Why are they not cloud seeding over that forest to help stop the fire? You still need water in there. I mean, if it, you the, need notori- you the need notorious clouds. thing about California is it's, it's extremely dry. So they don't have... You have to have clouds. You, have, you still have to have water vapor in the air. Like, humidity is water vapor in the air. And if you can find a way to seed that, that's when you can really get the clouds going. Heather, can you steer clouds? <laughs> can you steer can you them? Control, yeah. Can you control wind? <laughs> that's what you're asking. Um, well, that's what I had. Yeah, no, that's well, what I asked. Sir, a couple things I want to say about that is <laughs> the big portion of steering all of this climate and weather, so everything happening in the troposphere that affects us, is primarily governed by the Coriolis effect of the earth. And if you go back in time when we had shorter days, there were actually higher winds and more drastic weather than we have today. Um, Certainly man can affect movement of clouds. I think it's not easy to do. I think there's a lot you have to overcome. You've got mega forces of both the Earth's rotation and gravitational force that you have to know how to work with. I do not think that man has come up with technology that can actually, say, steer a hurricane into a certain area. I know some people believe that to be true. I think with the help of outside beings, maybe from other worlds, this can be done, but I don't think we've invented that technology. That's that's my take on it. Yeah. Yeah, Brian's having a hard time with that I, had, I didn't see that coming. You didn't? <laughs> really? I, I, really? I guess in, I, in our podcast, I know, I the invisible I element that controls all? I know. I should have been able to see that coming. Well, you can't see it or prove it, but... <laughs> it could happen. It could. But it's there. But there were, you showed me a video about Harvey and how they were using microwaves or something to keep the storm stationary. Stationary, and it seriously, and they said it was you like believe this? Was, like normally, it I'm not saying I believe down. it. I'm saying I'm listening to what poss- what's the possibilities. And Heather, you just said that you didn't think we had the technology to steer a storm, but there are other. I don't linger. think. Man, I don't think humans have invented the technology. Oh, that. so you're saying, though, that, that that doesn't mean the technology doesn't exist. Well, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Uh-huh. I'm not going to claim it does or doesn't. I yeah. personally haven't seen proof of that. I've heard a lot of things. I've read some things. But I think it's quite possible that we have received quite a bit of technology from other beings outside of the Earth cooperating or communicating with our government. I mean, I've been told that it's true by a family member. Yeah, no, I've, How, heard, a, I've heard a lot about that, about the reverse engineering of um, technology that's been found. Makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how many people have come forward from their engineering jobs. And I mean, decades after being retired. And a lot of these guys, they 
they announce, you know, publicly what they worked on many years ago, and then it's not much long after that, and they pass away. And it's it's kind of you know is that a coincidence? Serious, pass away from like a heart attack, serious. right? <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't you you said in our, was it you that said in our last podcast that the transmitter radio or so, something was reverse technology? Oh, that Bell Laboratories. Yeah. It's always been a claim that Bell Laboratories invented uh, transistors. Transistors. Yes. And um, a colleague of my father's that they worked together at NASA many years ago. It's, he's still alive today. He won't tell me very much, but he did tell me. That's why he's still oh, alive today. Oh, I can tell you that <laughs> transistors were from reverse engineering of UFOs, but I think a lot of people know that now. Yeah, well, I, and, I, I mean, if Brian looks, Brian's looking I mean, shocked. No, Brian the, and Michael. The two skeptics <laughs> at the table look at each other like, this is a lot of people. A lot okay. of people, I was like, I've never heard that in my life. Well, if you watch CNN, a lot of people Fox on your, uh, your guys hear about it. That's, 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 that's not fair. No, that's no, not it's, fair. It's, no, it's, it's, if you go, like you said, Heather, if you seek, you will find. I just, there's so much information out there right now, and I'm on not saying internet. all of it's true. I know, it's the internet. I, yeah, so you can. Yeah, you, you, okay, let me give you an example. You, you have to be careful with what you, what you read, what you watch on YouTube. YouTube is just like the World Wide Web. I wouldn't There's go to anything YouTube and everything for news on there. Ever. Why? So CNN's I had a student tell me <laughs> well, that CNN. on September yeah. was it September twenty third? The world was supposed to end again. Oh, right. Yeah. See, I brought that up. Didn't happen. <clears throat> Still waiting for it. Yes. And she said that NASA. She's telling me um, NASA had posted information about an asteroid hitting our planet on September the 23rd. And I explained to her, you know, I, I have to see that. If you can show me that NASA, I'm surprised NASA would post that. Well, they, they keep talking, Heather, they keep talking about like, if there was a doom and gloom coming our way, the world population government or the, you know, the governmental things over the world population would not tell the average person. Probably not. And I, I actually kind of understand that. Yeah. And, and then they keep talking about how all these celebs and all these government officials and all these people are, you know, building resort-like bunkers deep in the earth because it's about to happen. So it gets all the common people in a frenzy of, like, what's going on, what's happening. I Instead of an asteroid, I heard it was Planet X that was coming to knock us around. Yeah, this um, I had another student tell me that Planet X was coming on September the 23rd. Right. That's, that's the main thing I, I heard when I YouTubed. <laughs> I, 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 I've only ever heard of Planet X once, and it was Duck Dodgers in the 21st and a half century. <laughs> this is a Looney Tunes thing, and that was because the global supply of the shaving cream atom was desperately low. I am so confused. <laughs> There's a shaving cream. The first time I heard of Planet X was on a NASA article about a star, a dwarf star or planet that had been discovered by Hubble Telescope. This was around 1989, and they were calling it Planet X, and they didn't know if it was a planet or a star, and the photographs that they were viewing were quite, the resolution was low. And then all of a sudden, you don't hear about it from NASA anymore. It's no longer Planet that X. That is true. And then Planet X became Planet Nibiru that's been Nibiru. here before and has beings, <laughs> beings on the planet that I guess they 
stop off for a visit oh, of course, and change our technology. The Anunnaki. Oh, yeah, the Anunnaki. Yeah. So, I mean, that is in biblical history as well. In the Old Testament, that is spoken of. The giants and the father Anunnaki, I believe, is talked about in the Old Testament because I've looked into it and read about it. But what's interesting is our ability to affect the weather to cause disastrous things to occur. I think it can be done. I don't think man has invented it. I don't think it's possible. I don't even think it's a possibility that we are the most intellectual beings out of billions of galaxies that exist in our universe. I think that is completely impossible. There are many, many civilizations out there. Exactly. I I definitely agree with that one, Heather. You watch our news, you know we're definitely not intelligent. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so let's, since, can, can we just kind of break down some of the things that people get freaked out about with this whole global warming which then got turned to climate change because they it turns out they couldn't uh yeah we're actually explain some data that was going against the global warming part yeah like okay so you've got the un um uh with the ipcc set, set using climate change models to predict what they're saying is going to be catastrophic for our globe in say a hundred years if we continue on the route that we're going versus actual satellite data that's happening right now that is in complete contradiction with what the computer models are saying. So, Michael, Hmm. what, in your understanding, since you have done some schooling with this, (laughs) what's the difference between the computer models and satellite um, data? Satellite is actually, it's it's data. It's real hard data. Computer models is projecting the data into yeah. into what is going to happen okay. potentially. So when you have when you have a like a, the UN saying to us that computer models are predicting what's happening and that so for instance they're saying the ice caps are melting, ice is at an all-time low, um, you know, is that true? And After doing a lot of research, I realized it's not true. In fact, it's the opposite, that we actually have more ice on the planet than we did 20 years, 30 years ago. In fact, it's grown a million square miles um, of ice has grown since they started taking data in 1979. So why do they always show pictures on the news of the ice? There's a reason for this. There's a reason for this. I know you got it. Because what they focus on is... Um, the Arctic ice caps, which are indeed getting smaller, but Antarctica is actually getting much larger. And when you take the sum of both, you realize that overall, there's much more ice on the planet than there was in 1979 when they first started taking the data results. So why are they only focusing on um, the Arctic ice caps versus Antarctica? And why is it... polar bears... Yeah, it's an image. That is why going on fear and feelings. That's what the media likes to do. Yeah, and poor little polar bear. You know, this is this is what's crazy. They're saying it's global warming. Well, how does global warming cause one pole to melt and the other pole to grow ice? I just don't understand. It doesn't make any sense. The logic is absolutely not there. (laughs) Wind patterns. (laughs) Controlled by Father (laughs) Anuki. Well, you know. 
just listening listening to what you guys were all saying, I and I and I know Nicole, you and I, you know, we talked about this before, and that's that's yeah. why I'm here today because you and I saw things from a different angle, from a different angle, and what I'm realizing is that that different angle, it's, it's not that it's really a different angle. To me, it has nothing about what's going on today or what happened yesterday or the last hundred years or whatever. It's To me, when I think about what we as humans are doing on our planet, we have a responsibility to take care of it. And what we don't know with any of these models, with what's going on with global warming, we have no idea what's the world is going to be like in a hundred years. And if we keep going as we are going, just doing whatever we want, there's a good chance it's not going to work out well for us. Not necessarily. There's no data to support what we are doing because we are literally living, we are making mistakes every day in terms of what we are doing to our planet. Yeah, but to assume that we're going to be in the position that they're saying we're going to be in and that it's catastrophic is completely opposite of what data has shown over millions of years. Well, There's I think no data for what we are doing today. No, but the what no they're saying. Yeah, no, I know. I understand. Have lived I know. Here and but you're what we've, okay. We've done. What you're saying though is you're going off by the okay. They're saying well, we got to talk about the temperature thing too because that's a big false lie as well. How that CO two emissions cause global warming when in fact warming periods are followed by an increase in carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Right. And this is over hundreds of years, a warming period is then followed by increase in carbon dioxide. And because, also an ice age. I think it's Well, pretty- no. Okay, so this is the whole thing. There is no correlation between temperature and carbon dioxide. There's none. You put the model, you put the data um, against one another, you can have high carbon emissions during an ice age just as you can in a high warming period. So you can't even correlate the two. But one thing we do know is that we can, when, when you have a cloud blanket around the earth, that's holding things that's in. Because wa- that's water. That's car- that's but, a- but if we're putting more and more things into the atmosphere that are not CO2, we don't know what's going to happen in terms okay, of Okay, but what they're we're not talking about anything was. other than CO2 But right they now. talk about the ozone layer and that how They we... used to. I mean, the ozone Yeah, you don't ozone, hear about the ozone yeah. layer anymore. The ozone actually healed itself, but yeah. Heather's right where that's really what you should pay attention to is if the ozone layer gets out of hand when it comes like the the holes there. I mean, it's clear that the media is just it's scare tactics. Not just media. No, it's not just media. I, I, yeah, it's, it's this is government. This is government yeah, making government. money. The media is just reporting Re- something. Well, it's yeah, not their no. fault. It's right. who's putting out the information. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you go back in time, there was more land masses in the southern Absolutely. hemisphere. Absolutely. And the climate was dramatically different. And so it's one of the really factors cool. is mass. more land mass. The bulk of it being in the northern hemisphere affects the climate of the Norman the northern hemisphere a lot differently than the southern. So even NASA had like 10 years ago, they were putting out information that Antarctica was growing. So that information isn't, I don't think it's hidden. I think that we focus in the northern hemisphere, our media does, on northern hemisphere climate, but they call it global warming. Well, because it, it fits the political agenda. That, that was an interesting point. It's a northern hemisphere issue, and they call it, they, they well, named it global like, warming. Like Heather. I still come back to those two words, polar bears. They're sad looking when they don't have ice to sit on, is, okay, and they're okay, eating I, garbage. I, I, I'm going to say something uh, that 
I feel like in this is my opinion, this is my opinion, but like if you had to label things on the more liberal left side, they use feelings like sad polar bears yeah. to get their point across. And it's like you this is what Nikki and I when we talk about this stuff, we're kind of frustrated with because the media likes to use emotions more than data. It seems like in like what the yeah. last oh, 10, 15, yeah. 20 years. And emotions doesn't mean it's fact. It's just emotion at the time. That's how you make money. If if you run a commercial to raise money for yeah, if it's oh, warming, if you put a polar bear right. not on exactly. ice, right. if you just put up some numbers, oh, nobody's going to No, no, no. Brian, I will money. say, I ate every fucking pee on my plate because of starving kids in Africa. <laughs> my yeah, mother and father said, Indian look at the starving kids in Africa, Africa. eat every pee Indian on your plate. And that's, I mean, that's with them. Yeah, they make you feel guilty. So, a Jewish guy. So, okay. Sorry, Heather, if I if you're offended by my f bomb. And sorry, mom. Sorry, sorry, mom and dad, if you actually listen to this. I think that was the first one on the whole podcast. And I was crying, and my mom said, "You have to eat those." And she was telling me, "You're lucky that you have this food." And I was like, "I'm gonna puke," and she went and got the garbage can, and she's like, "You're not leaving. I don't care if you puke. You're gonna finish your dinner." Oh yeah, yeah, you me both. That's a healthy eating image. I say, you know, then put it in a bag and mail it to them if they need it. <laughs> yeah. Can I'm I not eating the it. The duties to get to Africa, are you kidding me? Okay, so we have, we have like, you know, the, the Arctic ice caps melting, which is unfortunate for the polar bears. Um, Sad. But, but climate change Sad happens. I mean, oh, yes. if you look at millions of years ago, I mean, I think it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen. Climate is supposed to happen. It's supposed to change. Exactly. Yeah. But I think that that's, that's common sense, or it should be. It should be. It should be common sense. But okay, so I just want to put it's some not. numbers out it's there not. for the audience yeah. to understand. That's I want to put this in perspective so that the audience understands what it means when they're, what they're forecasting for the next hundred like at the end of the century basically they're saying that our carbon dioxide levels are going to be extremely high which means at the 800 to a thousand parts per million um level i and we are at 400 right now so basically they're going to double we are still well below the 2000 parts per million which is actually optimal levels for all plant life on this planet we would still be in a deficit of optimum carbon dioxide levels. It's like you're Nancy Grace. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No, but I just, okay, we have to put things in perspective so that people understand, like, what information is being fed to them and that, you know, who's saying they're going to be, like, super high, like, these carbon dioxide levels are <laughs> catastrophic. They're certainly not catastrophic to plant life. I love that we're all together because I think I think you're actually exciting him. <laughs> this is like the most enjoyable podcast. I'm just here sipping on my tea, of course. <laughs> but like you know, this is just the big problem is that you know we listen to the media feeding us the numbers that the government wants them to feed us, and they are actually so far off of actual fact. Can we just, they go- just well, they, they, I think it's just about a shift into truth that like you know what brian said we have a responsibility to this planet you know not to put pollutants in the air and not to hurt mother earth and and all that but it doesn't necessarily correlate with the global warming and the reasons that the polar bears are losing their ice and they're just putting those two together yeah they're using pollution 
to talk about carbon dioxide like yeah. they're the same thing and they're not. Carbon is not a pollute. Carbon dioxide is not a pollutant. In fact, when they say they call it carbon, it's just it. It's okay. Words. They know that when you use certain words, it affects people, and they're using these words specifically to trigger people into thinking that it's one thing when it's another. I bet you ten bucks because this happens a lot throughout history. When we first start to learn something, we don't know, you know, we're literally at the tip of that iceberg of that knowledge, and we don't know everything. Agreed. So we start saying something, and we put this information out there, and it turns out to be misinformation. Yeah. But I, I think this is a case of that, that in the 60s and 70s or whenever that they first started talking about CO2 emissions, and then they realized they were wrong, but they had gone way too far down the road. And now they can't back up because everyone thinks it's okay, CO2. No, no, okay, but okay, I'm gonna. He's got a point. No, he does have a point. However, it's not that people didn't know that CO2 wasn't a pollutant. Everyone's always known CO2 isn't a pollutant. Right. They're trying to demonize it now <clears throat> to make, to, to fit a p- political agenda. Well, right, but that, I, I guess that's my point is that they've oh, gone, ta- they've oh, no, gone no, no, too no, far. That does that tax you if you're actually yes. producing CO2. Oh my God, a carbon tax. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be amazing? Oh, yeah, tax the one thing that brings life to this planet. You know, there's, there's something I, I meant to bring up earlier and that was deforestation, especially in South America. Because that has that's a huge, huge. impact yeah, huge. on gas levels that's, in That the actually is scary, Heather, to me, actually, knowing, I mean, uh, I think uh, some about the Amazon, that air, whole area produces yeah. how, how much percentage of say, our quality breathing air in this world? <laughs> and every cure to every disease can be found in plants there or something like that. And they just... Yeah, it's, that's, that is huge, Heather. Yeah, because when they, when they're you know, in the process of cutting down all the trees for specific types of wood, they're taking down all kinds of the canopy. It's almost like we don't That's care scary. about this other stuff we're cutting down, but we're cutting it down because we, it's part of the process of getting the wood that we want. And, you know, it still goes on today. They're trying to put a cap on it. They're try- I mean, I read stuff. I hear news saying that they're, you know, creating laws to govern deforestation and well, slow Brazil. it down but it's Brazil I, I mean it's like it was almost like you want the whole world to get in on this to preserve what's going on in the Amazon and prevent from Brazil trying to make money at the end of the day there's going to be governments that just want to make money yes <laughs> I think it's pretty I mean, and what about all the other greenhouse gases like methane and synthetic right. gases those damn cows farting all the time I know, cows and brian cows, yeah cows and brian farting all the time <laughs> ridiculous <laughs> although cows and, we could just call it cows and germans <laughs> germans <laughs> and brian is speaking for the nation of germany <laughs> yes i'm owning that one stop eating meats yeah if we stopped eating meat wow yeah. Now, would that make an impact if we stop eating meats? Well, Heather, what do you feel? Uh, it definitely would make an impact. I agree. I mean, the the cost of raising cattle, for instance, and other livestock is tremendous. And it's not just raising livestock. It's livestock that's large, like cows, that has to live on the land. What that does to the land. 
and the soil. It's a whole ever seen a wild cow. environmental change. They've never been wild. Never Imagine wild. if we planted They've hemp there we instead of from I don't know. having cows on our land. They disappeared from Father Anuuki. <laughs> we're wondering. I'm sorry, Heather. We're talking about where did cows come from? <laughs> oh. And my, my were, were, I, were there I, ever I, I were there ever were, wild cows? Yeah, I thought they've always been a domesticated animal. That oh, that's a good question. I don't know enough. I think about that's a podcast question. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so we know that we burned down a lot of agricultural land for the cows, right? So that burning is not good for the atmosphere. And then you have the methane that the cows, the cows release from... Methane the, gas. Yeah, the methane gas. Which actually, gas. Effect, I mean, I remember that in climatology or, or in atmospheric sciences, cow farts actually affects yeah. the yeah. atmosphere. It's amazing. And they, they do it twice because when you eat them, then you do it again. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a double whammy, is what you're saying. Yeah, so the media and the government... There, there's the, well, I just there's, heard one. Better. <laughs> so if you really want to talk about human impact on climate change, it's like, well, stop it's, eating meat. Yeah, I, <laughs> exactly. I, I kind of agree, actually. But the one. government should be focusing on that rather than cars, like, you know, trying to convince people to stop eating yeah, meat. Yeah, well, the, not, food, the food industry is not going to be very well, happy about... the farmers about, won't like that. No. Well, no. Was, like, you know... Dodge happy about all the changes they had. They were forced into it, really, into what is it? By twenty twenty, you're supposed to meet a certain mile per gallon, and twenty fifty, mm-hmm. you have to meet a mile per gallon. Or, or we're supposed to be off of oil completely at twenty fifty. I, I don't think that's a bad thing because I don't. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. About, have you guys? But like, about, I don't feel like you need to tax us to get to that bad thing. But have you? Or have have you guys thing. talked about or where does peak oil fit into this? Because when we you know, a lot of people believe we're past that point and we're on the downward curve for peak oil and that there isn't any, there isn't any more. What we, what we have is our, you know, fracked oil. Well, what, what we know, the, the amount of oil that we know that we've basically found all the oil that we can, that we can get. And that's the, the idea of peak oil is okay, there's no well, more. Well, one of the cheapest burning fossil fuels is coal and you're this country right here is one of the is basically basically the saudi arabia of coal and if you have power plants that can burn clean clean cleanly fossil uh coal then why Why not not use it it's cheaper to use okay let's talk about um environmental um uh energy use like wind turbines you know like because uh, we were talking solar about that energy. solar energy it's so much more expensive to create energy through solar and wind power right now with right, yeah right now with current technology and there are things that they're not talking about that are very negative using that technology versus actually burning coal which is five times cheaper than um, solar and wind right now and like if you want to talk about it's so weird you know People who are environmentalists want to, say, take up wind power. Well, what about all the birds that are dying? Like a million birds killed in Spain alone just from the from the, the turbines, like killing. Like, oh, my God, that's not good for the environment. I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Is a thing. oh yeah. yeah. They can't see the blade spinning, and it just cuts them in half. You go to b- below a, a wind turbine, they're just dead birds all over the place. And then not only that, but people who have to live next to those wind turbines, the amount of um, energy coming up off because they're very loud 
when they're um, active, it's actually um, starting, people are getting diagnosed with these sensory, um, sensory, uh, dep not deprivation, but some sort disorder. of disorder of like where they, it's very uncomfortable for them to live in their homes because of the lo loud noise that it's affecting them. And it's becoming a huge problem now. People are getting diagnosed with this everywhere that live near these wind turbines. So why are we moving towards a source of energy that costs five times more money when we have, like, for instance, in the States alone, the largest source of coal, which is five times mm. cheaper, and we have the, we're starting to have the technology to burn it very cleanly. Government. Exactly. <laughs> and the people who control the oil industry. Heather, what are your thoughts? Well, because I'm in Houston, refineries mean everything to the economy. Absolutely. I mean, we have so many refineries here, and probably a good portion of them are my customers, unfortunately. But luckily, I'm only supplying pneumatic and hydraulic power equipment, which is not electrical and not farming anything. <laughs> and a Tesla pump, which uses, you know, far less energy and creates motion that doesn't impact the components of the pump and it lasts a long time so you're not trashing parts all the time or spending lots of money. So, I mean, I have to deal with it in my career on a regular basis. And I can just tell you right now, especially where I live, refining oil is everything. And those companies, the big companies like Shell, BP, even though some of them have a bad rep, and and ExxonMobil, they own so much. And they always overcome environmental people. I mean, I saw it firsthand in the 1980s when they were going to expand the port of Houston. And my dad was one of the political leaders here that was against it. And they, they win every time. They always get the support of our government. And they always have enough money to overcome what we're trying to prevent which is expansion of the highways, and um, <clears throat> they ruined a lot of estuaries here, even though they say, oh, no, we have estuaries right next to our refinery, and we're taking care of them. So <laughs> they, they've done quite a bit dredging the ship channel in the Houston area, which is already full of pollutants. I would imagine. And it's, it's the money. Yeah. It's the money that gives them the power to get what they want and keep going. That's the theme of everything that we talk about. It's about power and control and, you know, from everything. From what goes the processed along, foods that we eat and the medicine that we're told. And, to the, act, and the actresses that we see on TV, apparently. It's all about the power of all, one guy. It's all, well, it's, well yeah. no, it's, it's about one word. It's about money. And lobbyists or whoever more, has the money yeah. pay the lobbyists and they have the politicians in their pocket. And that's why... <clears throat> You know, you can and you can go back. You can go back way in, way into history. I mean, um, you know, every every sm small to mid sized city in America had uh, trolley lines running through them. True. Um, and then cars started to become more and more popular. So Goodyear Tire Company bought all the trolley lines in in America, and then they closed them because that would mean people would have to drive their car more, which means they would buy more tires. <sighs> So, so, the and it was all because of lobbying efforts that they're able to do that, and that throughout history, just time and time again, you look at what 
what the people want is not necessarily what the people with money want. Do we all agree that lobbyists, you could like take that name and put it off to the side and call it the more like bribist? Bribes? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's all lobbyists. The, the theme of lobbyists is bribing the yeah, right person. It's it, it, it sure. I, I, I think being a being not in politics, I think so. So for the normal person, yes, I think it feels like that. I it think feels when, like when it. we look at it, it looks like okay, this guy is giving this guy money to have his law passed. Right. That's sure that's what it feels bribe like. bribe to me. Now, 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 supposedly that's not what we have in our country, and there are laws against that. But it it's sure bullshit. doesn't look that way. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. Really well, I mean, okay, so I I'd like to just quickly talk about um, the whole. Because whenever you have this debate of climate change with someone who believes that it is man-made and that carbon dioxide is a pollutant. Do you, do you, okay, stop. Brian, since you're like the most skeptic on this one, yes. do you really fully believe it's man-made? What we're, what, where our climate is going has a big certain percentage of it's because of man. No, because I'm educated. Um, oh, 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 wow. All right. All right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on our podcast, and we will finish off tonight. <laughs> but, oh, but, um, no, I mean, and, and this is why that's what I said when, when we first we first started that, you know, if you understand your your past, and we, we know we know that the Earth is going to do things, but that's why I have this asterisk after, after everything I there say. Is. We are responsible for what we are doing to this planet. And yes, maybe they use the wrong two letters and one number, CO2, mm-hmm. you know. Or methodology, and, yeah. and, then, and then, unfortunately, we have found that they focused on the wrong thing and they should have been talking about something over here or they should have been, they should have been calling it all one big thing, climate change, and not calling it CO2 or the ozone. And they just should have said, we have a responsibility for what we do impacts our Earth. And, and, and I say that passionately because I've seen it firsthand living yeah, in China. Yeah, I understand that. And you know the very interesting thing about Chinese people and the climate? You know, if, if you look at pictures of the Industrial Revolution in this country and, you know, just belching smoke, smoke and, and what did that do to our planet? When you, when you talk to the Chinese people about what they're doing and, hey, you guys should be more careful with what you're doing and... and you know, we have all these technologies that we've invented over the years. Their reply is, you know what, America? You fucked up. Let us fuck up. You know, uh, and, and that's Brian, really Brian, what they... Actually, what they, my, climate, my climatologist teacher talked about that, saying it's unfair for first world countries to tell third world countries, yes. second world countries what to do when we did everything that second and third world countries are currently doing to become first world. And that is... Why and and I said these two words to you, and you said you need to be on the po- podcast. That is why I believe in cap and trade, because when you look at where we are as a global society, and we need to hit some sort of emission, it doesn't matter what you want to call it. Is it CO two? Is it what? Pollutants. Unfortunately, all we talk about CO two, but we need to be talking about pollutants in the air. Yeah. We're all putting stuff out. We need to be the big boys. And we need to say, okay, you know what? China, Brazil, India, belch and spew whatever you want. We'll hold back more. Mm-hmm. We, we have to say we're capping ours or maybe even lowering ours because we have to let these third world countries 
do it thrive. because they're not going to otherwise. Because capitalism brings up everything. Yeah, but we are the technology is getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner, right? So I agree with you. This isn't about should we not should we just keep polluting the earth? And absolutely not. We have to clean up our mess. Like that is like that is undebatable. Like I mean, we just cannot continue to um, basically rape the earth the way we are in in the in the in when it comes to pollution. However, like we said in the beginning, this whole talk of climate change that is out right now uh, that everyone's talking about has nothing so much to do with pollution. It has to do with carbon dioxide. You just want the people to be educated. And, yeah. And not have misinformation Yeah, so this, this isn't about saying, oh, we can just do whatever we want to the earth. Absolutely not. Like, no, you're right, let's Brian. Let's stop we, calling it CO2. Yeah, let's stop calling it, blaming it on blaming CO2. Blaming it on CO2. Well, along with those lines, let's stop calling each other a Democrat or a Republican. <laughs> I mean, it's like... Well, you but this is the whole thing. Like, climate change shouldn't be about a right wing or well, a left wing Well, that's agenda. my point. It's like they, they go, if you're, you're with this, you're with everything else that comes with this. Yeah. If you're a left, you are you have to right. go right. against abortion. You have right. to do this and all that. If you're right, you have to be like, you know, all these things that you are categorized as right. No, be individual and well, things will come up. But we're be talking about data. We have, to, we have to we just need to be, be sensible. We have to be sensible. I, I hate calling people labels like you're left or you're right or whatever. It's just not fair because... Well, we do that to... We do, we've I, talked I, about that. It's do. about separation. And right. It's about making us separate from someone else. And Yeah. So can we just talk about the whole thing where they say 97% of scientists agree that climate change is man-made? Four out of five dentists agree that uh, <laughs> you should use fluoride. Yeah, and and, and that's a good point. Oh, no, Heather that's Reed. actually a good point. <laughs> Sadly, that's a good point. <laughs> Go ahead, the American Heather. Dental Association. They now. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but on YouTube, Heather, Heather, I'm, I'm gonna now, have to stop you, Heather. Ever since I had the podcast with you, I went fluoride free, and I'm yeah. just loving it. Me too. <laughs> Oh, great. Yeah. I mean, I, every bit of water we use for drinking and cooking is fluoride free. Now I have to admit my shower is not, and I, I haven't changed out that because I'm afraid it's going to slow down the water pressure tremendously. So I'll have to experiment with it, but that's just my own personal situation but i don't know if you guys are using um filters for your shower uh no i haven't got there yet i I want to though i definitely want to yeah i want to because it kind of defeats the purpose to drink clean water and cook with it but then you're showering and i I take baths all the time i sit in the bath really all the time all that fluoride yeah i'm taking fluoride (laughs) like a swimming pool jeez i put epsom salt in it but i don't think that that changes the fluoride content just just but you were saying shoot heroin in the bathtub, why don't you? Yeah, you were talking about the American. De- you were talking about the American Dental Association. Yes, they put out this commercial on YouTube. That's that. It just makes me crack up. They've got this dentist on there talking about um, why fluoride is so important in our community water and why it's there. And they even mentioned that a lot of people who are against it, and this is why you shouldn't be. And it's incredible because they just go on and on about how how much it has prevented tooth decay and prevented so many trips to the dentist and that it's so vitally important to have in community water and it has saved so many cavities. 
<laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> for anyone who's listening to this podcast episode right now, if you haven't listened to episode, what was it, 10? Yeah, episode 10 with Heather Sartain when she was on with us before, we talked a lot about fluoride and its effects and how you really don't want to be consuming it. Um, and by the time you're learning this, it's probably too late, but you can protect your kids. <laughs> you can protect your kids. I'm, no, I'm not kidding. It's like, too late. Like if, I, if I actually had a child. Too late for you. You're too late. Your, 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 your pineal gland is a Done. piece of rock. <laughs> but protect your kids, for God's sakes. That's all I'm saying. Um, I don't think you're doomed. <laughs> but you're doomed. But no, and, and something I recently discovered doing a little bit more research was your pineal gland can begin to recover its functionality. So let's say you have a lot of calcium deposits in there. The cells of the pineal gland that are still functional continue to repair and um, take place of old cells. And so it can actually expand and begin to function at a higher performance even after calcium deposits have been in there. So it's whenever you stop exposing yourself to the primary source of fluoride, which is in tap water coming from city water. And once you have done that, I mean, there's still sources of it in packaged food. There's still sources of it in a number of things that we expose ourselves to. But if you can cut it out of tap water, you can can eliminate a little bit that organ. Well, okay, so you just mentioned how four out of five dentists say fluoride is good for you. So let's talk about how the ninety four out of five meteorologists is <laughs> we're gonna global warm ourselves to <laughs> death. More to drink. Okay, so That's yeah, tea. yeah, <laughs> keep drinking your tea, Michael. Sure. So I just want to get these. I just want to get these numbers out there for the audience because if you ever come up against someone who you're trying to have this conversation with, and they say ninety-seven percent of the scientists agree that cl- climate change is man-made. Uh, and, and this is a this is a number that was released by the IPCC of the UN. Um, this is I want to break down how they got that number. Okay, so what happens is they had eleven thousand nine hundred and forty-four abstracts that they reviewed. Out of those, sixty-four percent were excluded because they did not express an opinion. Last time I checked. Science was not about opinions. It was Mm. not um, a popularity contest. Okay. So then 32.6% were thrown out because they were marked as agreeing humans cause some warming. The the number where they got the 97%, okay, comes from after they excluded pretty much almost all the abstracts of those virtually 12,000 abstracts were 64 were marked as endorsed consensus as defined and 41 actually endorsed consensus as defined. So endorsing climate change is absolutely man-made. So you have just over 100 abstracts out of 12,000 that were kept to give you the 97%. That's how they doctored the 97% scientists agree with man-made climate change. Interesting. How freaking... Wow. Do, yeah. So, and I also, I also want to note that the guy who ran this study, Cook, he's not even a climate scientist. That's my boss. Oh my God. <laughs> Seriously? 
Seriously? <laughs> really, Heather? Yeah, I probably not. I'm just joking. It's probably not the same person. His name is Thomas. <laughs> but... I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, like, that just goes to show you. So if someone ever comes up against you and tells you, well, I'm agreeing with the science, well, actually, you're not. You're agreeing with the 100 doc, like abstracts out of 12,000, pretty much, that were left in the study, um, which was done by someone who isn't even a climate scientist. Uh, and That's like when they put on lotion bottles and it says, like, dermatologist tested or whatever. You know, what does that mean? That you gave them a sample and they rubbed it on their hand and... Yeah, who, who really they knows? They tested it. doesn't yeah. mean they... And, 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 and all of those abstracts were thrown out because they didn't express an opinion. That's the only reason they were thrown out. And so you have all these scientists now coming forward that are upset because the abstracts that they submitted for this study are completely being falsified or stating that what they said isn't what they said. And so... Um, I mean, and then you think back to ClimateGate back in, what was it, 2011, when all of those emails were exposed on scientists. Um, uh, email servers? Yeah, well, the, all these um, emails were released that exposed that scientists were basically cooking the data to agree with this political agenda of man-made climate change. But no one in the States really heard about it. It was huge across the world. But in the States, it wasn't really talked about, which I think is so interesting. So I think it's just kind of one of those things where we have to really be aware of where the data is coming from. Is it actual data or is it doctored mo computer models like Michael was talking about? You know, they're asking us, they're asking us to believe computer models that completely go against what the actual data is saying to us right now, which is coming from satellite imagery and other instruments. It's true. This conversation is just true about everything, though, whether, you know, we could talk about whether it's yeah, so, yeah. food and I, medicine. Can I tell you what this conversation really means to me? And the cabal and the matrix. And it's the whole, it's just the same, same story, you know, different. But can topic. I really, in my opinion, what yes. I feel like this conversation is great about is all the five of us, we might have a certain opinion about the data that we all receive in our lives, but we gotta actually talk and be happy yeah. with each other. I know. And oh, still and get care along. for each other well, and not call each other dickhole names. Well, we do that sometimes, but usually we're, <laughs> usually we're just kidding. No, but I think that's the biggest problem that we really suffer is how quickly we go to one side or the other and ignore listening or presenting your material appropriately. Yeah, or having a healthy conversation. And, yeah. I, and that's know, the so whole thing is no one wants to have, I don't want to say no one, but the majority of people are so tied into identifying with their beliefs on what they're being told that they're not willing to have these conversations where we can learn from one another. Right. You know, I learned, I learned some things from Brian today. I Absolutely. learned some things from Heather. Absolutely. I learned things from Michael and, and Lisa. And it's like, you know, this is how we learn is we, we all have knowledge that we can bring to the table. And when we compare things, we're like, oh, yeah, you know what? You actually make sense. Or, oh, you know what? No, I don't agree with that because of this. And, I, and that's I okay. feel like humans are evolving quickly. However, it's when you 
start fighting with each other is when devolution happens or like you're going yeah. either stalling Ooh, or there's going that word. There's that word. There's your word, Heather. That's the book you're putting out, right? <laughs> yeah, it's one of them. It's one of them. <laughs> you can bring it up, Heather. Go for it. Throw yourself a plug. Pl- plug your books. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead because I know you got to get going in a few minutes. So, do you want to do you want to um, finish off with anything for the audience? Just tell anyone like what you got coming up and or any closing uh, thoughts on the whole topic. I do. Um, one of the things I like to show students about CO two misconceptions is most of the charts, and I love the fact that you talked about that collaboration of abstracts because scientific data is presented in a paper by just showing what we learned from this data that we received from this satellite or you know this experiment or studying this history of this region for climate change. And it's not supposed to be opinionated. It's not supposed to support an opinion or give an opinion. It's just, oh, this is what we found based on this data. And in that way, it's more you know factual versus a perception of things. You know, I'll use earthquakes as an example. There isn't a, a certain amount of energy that's released during an earthquake, but the human impact that it makes is a totally different scale that the media uses called the Richter scale. And that assesses the damage that's done to the area. But whenever you have an earthquake that happens to an area that's not populated, it doesn't seem to matter. And in that case, that's when the scientists all extrapolate the data on the moment magnitude scale instead of the Richter scale and that's where the energy that's released becomes so important. But what's important is the human factor, our perception of what an earthquake did to us or what a hurricane did to us. Mm -hmm. So you could have a hurricane make landfall and it's a category one but it seems like a category ten from your perspective. So we have to be careful when we look at how something impacts the earth versus the human perception. And one of those that the media uses in their favor is using charts of CO2 rise over decades or even thousands of years, and they fail to show you millions of years. And you're lucky if they even show you thousands of years because a lot of charts that are commonly used only go back to 1880. Do you want to hear and that's some really funny? Not that long ago. I mean, I know the industrial revolution is in the 1900s, but they're just showing you, oh, CO2 is on a rise because of the industrial period. Do you want to hear something funny, we Heather? Do... Is, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I remember getting out of uh, meteorology and and you know graduating after that, and the Al Gore movie came out, oh, God. which we call which which we on certain sides of the fence call the hockey stick Al Gore movie. Meaning, like, by now, we all would have been, like, you know, seawater would have been up to our knees wherever we're walking at, according to Al Gore. Meaning, like, he actually had to make a movie last year to help everybody understand the reason why his movie back in the early 2000s wasn't accurate. Meaning, like, oh, uh, this variable and that variable is a little bit different, but we still need, we still have problems. We still are going down a wrong path. And it's going to be major. And this is what sickens me personally uh, as like uh, I don't even consider myself a meteorologist anymore because I completely left the profession. But still, to to make 
people feel like, oh, this movie explains everything within an hour and 40 minutes, and now I can go and protest and do whatever I have to do to get the climate to change. It just makes me, frankly, pissed off because Al Gore is just, like, just saving his own butt. Fortunately, his second movie did not do too well, but his first movie got a lot of traffic. Are you familiar with that? Yes. Yeah, I am. So, anyway, no, I, that's it. No, that's that's some pretty crazy stuff. I mean, I've heard a lot of comments about his movies. And I personally don't really watch any of or read anything. I watch but, it. I watch it more like I just want to see what their argument is. And it was just like, I entertainment. mean, it was pure entertainment. Yeah. And my eyes rolled so much that I'm not even sure if. I don't even know what's going on. They're still in your head. Yeah, yeah. barely. <laughs> I've always noticed that when you look at the data for CO2, they're always showing you like fairly recent data. But to the human perspective, it seems, oh, no, there's plenty of years on this chart. Not really. Yeah. 1880 wasn't that long ago. No. And, and you really... have to consider hundreds, thousands, millions of years. You got to look at whatever you can. You know what I find to really make interesting? determinations based on nature, as well as the human factor. You know what I find really interesting about that particular chart that you're talking about from 1880 to now in the Industrial Revolution and carbon, um, that's when carbon dioxide um, is on the rise, is that really the industrial area didn't really start until like World War II. And the, but the CO2 levels were increasing from, like you said, 1880. So if they were increasing when before the Industrial Revolution, then why are we only focusing on the human aspect of like our plants, um, like, like, you know, power plants and, and all of the factories and cars and, and all of like everything else that we've been doing? How, how do we explain for, you know, the uh, 50 years before that? It doesn't make any sense. So thanks for bringing well, that you're up. Well, gonna, you're going to see spikes in CO2. And oftentimes that can just be from one large volcanic event, yeah. like Mount St. Helens, for instance. Not that Mount St. Helens released so much CO2, but there have been other uh, volcanism. And there's lots of volcanism in the ocean that releases CO2 into the ocean, and that eventually comes out of the ocean. Mm -hmm. When it warms. It's Nature. Yeah, it's all nature. It's all part of nature. It's a naturally occurring event <laughs> that we don't want to mess with. We, we keep speak trying to play loud. God with you nature. Speak our Earth is alive. Yeah, I know. I know, exactly. Maybe we should be talking about the, you know, cancer-causing materials. Oh, geez. There's so awesome. much. There's like so 15, much. 15,000 podcasts right there. All right. So I think if we looked at a real chart that included the future... And you looked at where, you know, maybe we've released a lot of CO2 with car emissions and agriculture and industry. And then we cut back and you can see where it went down just a little bit. And then it kind of levels out. And you looked at that with a comparison of millions of years. Uh, an onlooker wouldn't even notice it. Exactly. They would be like, oh, exactly. Exactly. they're looking at. Every decade, they might notice exactly. it. Oh, it went up a little bit, okay, but it didn't really go up a lot. It's like the stock market. <laughs> you know, you're in yeah. the long haul. <laughs> don't look at your stocks I don't think, daily. <laughs> I don't think we're supporting releasing stuff from our cars and industry. Like you guys said, we're, CO2 is not a pollutant. Although we are creating some of it, 
it's always there anyways. Yeah. And if you think it's bad here, it's only a fraction, a tiny fraction of our atmosphere. If you want to experience CO2 at high level, you need to explore Venus. Oh, there you go. Just saying. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's it's one of those things where um, we have a, we have to distinguish between climate change and pollution. They're two yes. completely different topics, and we need to stop putting them in the same category. If we want to actually make the change that I think everyone's hoping to make, that's going to be better for the planet and everyone everyone overall. And like I said before, you know what? This Earth could benefit from having more carbon dioxide in the in the atmosphere right now we would actually benefit we would see more plant life you know plants will eat more carbon dioxide and thrive so you know and then produce more oxygen for us it's 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 a it's an amazing cycle why are we preventing the plants from having more food well i think if we they focus also need the sun though and if we, well, we put, got plenty of the sun. But if we put large particulate matter into the atmosphere, they will not. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But that's a completely different topic. Well, One of the biggest contributors to weather change has been what's going on with our sun. And everybody needs to check out spaceweather.com. In fact, at Rice University here in Houston, there is a heliophysicist, and she's behind that website. And if anybody likes suspicious observers on YouTube, they use the website that she supports, spaceweather.com, and that she contributes a lot of the, um, the data for. And that's all coming from, like, the SOHO mission. And so the mission that's still orbiting the sun and has been for over a decade is collecting data that they're using to understand the Earth's weather and that's all attributed to what's going on with solar activity. And so all of that solar wind that penetrates our atmosphere, we have a weak magnetic field compared to the past right now. And we could be up for a pole shift, and we still don't know exactly what happens if that completely reverses. It could be nothing. It could be catastrophic. We don't know. Yeah. I love Suspicious Observers. You got me on them, Heather, so thank you. That's a great, oh, great. It's a great YouTube channel. Um, so, okay, so well, we're going to wrap it up because I know you've, it's already time for you to go. You've got your son to attend to. So thank you so much for yep. spending this time with us. We love having you on. You're so great. And, smart. And smart. Thank yes. you. <laughs> so thanks for being on, Heather. We'll let you go. And um, we will have you on, I'm sure, again one time soon if oh, you want to join us. My bad. Oh, I'd love to. I, I find it. Like, it expands my mind. It's a conversation I love to have on the weekend. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, and uh, have a great Sunday. I will. Thank you. Okay. You too. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Heather. Bye. All right. So, good discussion today. Yes. <laughs> Brian, how do you feel about being on our podcast again? We loved having you with us. Thanks oh, for being it's, here. It's, it's it's always fun. I I know I look at things differently than that's good though. Especially you and, and Lisa, um, and it seems like I'm starting to look at them differently than Michael because he's drinking drinking the, the water <laughs> or the whiskey or whatever the purple Kool Aid. 
Well, I think at the end of the day, I think, Michael, you made you made such a great point about it's so great that we can have these conversations. And that's what we like to do on this podcast is have these conversations. And like Heather just said, it opens her mind, it expands her awareness, her consciousness. And I think that's what we all have to do with one another. You know, honestly, I I love being around Nicole and Brian together because you guys just have such different you know, perspectives on things. And it's just, to me, I learned so much. It's fascinating to, because you're, you razz each other and you really do debate, but you, you know, you like each other as well. So, you, you know, it's all in with respect. Yeah. We never but, disrespect one another. Yeah. You never disrespect one another. Um, well, there unless you're one time. There was <laughs> that one time. <laughs> but I just, I really enjoy that. It's when we start throwing each other in groups. That's what the biggest problem And judging is. each other. And I feel like, like Brian and Nicole <clears throat> don't necessarily judge each other. They just talk about what how they see things. And it's it's healthy. And I, it's fascinating. I, I love it. So I think yeah. people should, like Michael said, we should be doing that more where we're able to I actually get along have, and have I mean, a different opinion. You know, I, my opinion is a lot of times on the conservative side. But I have so many liberal friends that I just enjoy talking to, too. And just hearing their side of the opinion. But, like, why... Do we have to be evil to each other? Why do we have to be nasty to each other? That's what the media wants us to be like. That's all I'm saying. This whole this whole podcast, to me, the important thing was almost like screw the media, have your own opinion, and use your own brain. Okay, you actually bring up something I wanted to talk about and we haven't talked about yet, and I just want to like touch on it. We don't have to go into a full conversation. Whoa, that's quick. That was some quick words. <laughs> yeah. That was fast. That was, that was like, quick wow, words. Like, what I mean, you maybe those? is my tea catching up, but that was some quick words. Like, 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 an auctioneer. Yeah, like auctioneers. Yeah. Uh, so is that <laughs> for it? My next job should be an auctioneer. Anyway, yeah. continue to talk fast. Go okay, ahead. so I an just, I wanted to talk about how you know, when you have, okay, so we talked about the 97% of scientists who agree that with what, you know, we just 97% said. 97% of the 100 that were left of the 12,000. Exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> scientists, when you go against what is being considered um, the general consensus, uh, you're, you're shamed, you are ridiculed, and potentially a lot of your money is taken away from... Um, from your like all your grants for your studies, oh, right? right? And so you are either having to, you know, go along with what the popularity is saying uh, and keep your money, or you continue for the sake of science to say no, this isn't what science is saying, or I have questions about this, I want to question this, and I think that, you know, at the end of the day, we have to allow one another to question each other's ideas, concepts, data whatever so that we can learn and we're we're kind of moving into this age of if you question something you instantly get ridiculed and it's it's preposterous i think it's absolutely ridiculous how are we supposed to learn from when we don't question everything question authority yeah always question authority so i just wanted to kind of throw that out there that you know um we have to be very careful about ridiculing people who have different ideas or concepts or beliefs um, because I think everything has some sort of validity, whether it's based in science or not. I think we just need to listen to one another and have open dialogue. I do that when you start talking about, you know, reptilians. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I say, Michael asked me, like, do you believe that? And I'm like, I just have an open mind. I'm, I'm saying that I don't have proof either yeah. way. So I'm just going to 
have an open mind and not judge the information. Exactly. It doesn't mean you have to believe it. You just you kind of let the information come in and then you start to discern it as you as you. You don't have to make a decision. No, right you away. don't. Yeah, exactly. You like don't. That, like for me, I don't. I choose not to form an opinion on a lot of things until later. Like until like I don't have enough information to form exactly. an opinion on it. So I don't really sometimes have one. Yeah. I think you both are crackpots, but I love you. Yeah, you you're quickly becoming a crackpot. So yeah. I don't know. <laughs> So anyways, all right, everyone. So thanks for joining us today. It was a great conversation. Thank you, Brian, for being with us. My pleasure. And uh, so we're going to wrap things up, everyone. Stay tuned for next week's episode. We have Jim Derricks back with us, and he's going to be doing a dream analysis for everyone who sent in your dreams. Thank you very much. You are going to have them analyzed on our podcast next week. So stay tuned for that. And uh, if you want to catch any more information out about us, you can go to our website, enlightenup.us. If you have any questions, topics, show ideas that you'd like us to talk about, please send them in to info at enlightenup.us. And you can, of course, follow us on all social media. And uh, so Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. And that's it. So thanks, everyone. And Michael, thanks for being here. Michael's going to do one more show with us. Uh, Manana. In, in the flesh, not uh, from Florida. So we're excited. And uh, that's about it. So thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.